Chapter 13 Photosynthesis in Higher Plants All animals including human beings depend on plants for their food. Have you ever wondered from where plants get their food? Green plants in fact have to make or rather synthesize their food. They need and food they need and all other organisms depend on them for their needs. The green plants make or rather synthesize the food they need through photosynthesis and are therefore called autotrophs. You have already learnt that the autotrophic nutrition is found only in plants and all other organisms that depend on the green plants for food are called heterotrophs. Green plants carry out photosynthesis, a photochemical process by which they use light energy to drive the synthesis of organic compounds. Ultimately, all living forms on the earth depend on sunlight for energy. The use of energy from sunlight by plants doing photosynthesis is the basis of life on earth. Photosynthesis is important due to two reasons. It is the primary source of all food on earth. It is also responsible for the release of oxygen into the atmosphere by green plants. Have you ever thought what would happen if there were no oxygen to breathe? This chapter focuses on the structure of the photosynthetic machinery and the various reactions that transform light energy into chemical energy. What do we know? Let us try to find out what we already know about photosynthesis. Some simple experiments you may have done in the earlier classes have shown that chlorophyll, that is the green pigment of the leaf, light and carbon dioxide are required for photosynthesis to occur. You may have carried out experiment to look for starch formation in two leaves, a variegated leaf or a leaf that was partially covered with black paper, black paper and exposed to light. On testing these leaves for the presence of starch, it was clear that the photosynthesis occurred only in the green parts of the plants, green parts of the leaves in the presence of light. Now test 2. Another experiment you may have carried out where a part of a leaf is enclosed in a test tube containing some KOH soaked cotton which absorbs CO2 while the other half is exposed to air. The setup is then placed in the light for some time. On testing for the presence of starch later in the two parts of the leaf, you must have found that the exposed part of the leaf tested positive for starch while the portion that was in the tube tested negative. This shows that this showed that the CO2 was required for the photosynthesis. Now early experiments. It is interesting to learn about those simple experiments that led to the gradual development in our understanding of photosynthesis. Joseph Priestley. Joseph Priestley who discovered oxygen. Joseph Priestley in 1770 performed a series of experiments that revealed the essential role of air in the growth of green plants. Priestley, you may recall, discovered oxygen in 1774. Priestley observed that a candle burning in a closed space, a bell jar, soon gets extinguished. Similarly, a mouse would soon suffocate in a closed space. He concluded that a burning candle or an animal that breathed the air 
but both somehow damaged the air. But when he placed a mint plant inside the same bell jar, he found out that the mouse stayed alive and the candle continued to burn. Presley hypothesized as follows. Plants restore to air whatever breathing animals and burning candles remove. So Presley gave the bell jar experiment. Can you imagine how Presley would have con conducted the experiment using a candle and a bell jar? Remember, he would need to rekindle the candle to test whether it burns after a few days. How many different ways can you think of to light the candle without disturbing the setup? Its answer is by using a convex lens. Using a similar setup as the one used by Priestley, but by placing it once in dark and once in sunlight, Jan Eginhouse. Eginhouse, okay. Name fire. Showed that sunlight is essential to the plant processes that somehow purifies the air fouled by the burning candles or breathing animals. Eginhouse, in an elegant experiment with an aquatic plant, showed that in bright sunlight small bubbles were formed around the green parts while in the dark they did not. Later, he identified these bubbles to be of oxygen. He sh hence, he showed that it is not only the green parts of the plants that could release oxygen. It was not until about 1854 that Julius von Schacks provided evidence for production of glucose when plants grow. Glucose is usually stored as starch. His later study showed that the green substances in plants, that is chlorophyll as we know it now, it located, is located in special bodies later called as chloroplast within cells, within plant cells. He found that the green parts in the plants is where glucose is made and that the glucose is use, usually stored as starch. Now consider the interesting experiments done by T.W. Engelman. Engelman, he used a prism. Using a prism, he split the light into a spectral components and then illuminating a green alga, that is cladophora, paste placed in a suspension of aerobic bacteria. The bacteria were used to detect the sites of O2 evolution. He observed that the bacteria accumulated mainly in the region of the blue and red light of the split spectrum. A first action spectrum of photosynthesis was thus described. The bacteria were used to detect the sites of O2 evolution. He observed that the bacteria accumulated mainly in the region of blue and red light of the split spectrum. A first action spectrum of photosynthesis was thus described. It resembles roughly the absorption spectra of chlorophyll A and B. By the middle of the 19th century, the key features of the plant photosynthesis were known, namely that plants could use light energy to make carbohydrates from CO2 and water. The empirical equation representing the total process of photosynthesis for oxygen evolution evolving organisms were, was then understood as 
CO2 plus H2O under the effect of light gives CH2O plus O2 where CH2O represented a carbohydrate example glucose a 6 carbon sugar a milestone contribution to the understanding of photosynthesis was that made by a microbiologist Cornelis von Niels Cornelis von Niel who based on his studies of purple and green bacteria demonstrated that photosynthesis is essentially a light dependent reaction in which hydrogen fro from a suitable oxidizable compound reduces carbon dioxide to carbohydrates this can be expressed by 2h2a plus co2 under the effect of light gives 2a plus ch2o plus h2o in green plants h2o in the hydrogen donor is the hydrogen donor and is oxidized to o2 some organisms do not release o2 during photosynthesis when h2s instead is the hydrogen donor for purple and green sulfur bacteria the oxidation product is sulfur or sulfate depending on the organism and not o2 hence he inferred that the o2 evolved by the green plant comes from the h2o and not from the carbon dioxide this was later proved by using radioisotropic techniques the correct equation that would represent the overall process of photosynthesis is therefore 6CO2 plus 12H2O under the effect of light gives C6H12O6 plus 6H2O plus 6O2 where C6H12O6 represents glucose. The O2 released is from, is from water. This was proved using radioisotope techniques. Note that this is not a single reaction but description of multi-step multi process called photosynthesis. Multi-step process called photosynthesis. Now where does photosynthesis takes place? You would of course answer in the green leaf or in the chloroplast based on what you earlier read in chapter 8. You are definitely right. Photosynthesis does takes place in the green leaves of plants, but it does so also in the other green parts of the plants. Would you recollect from the previous unit that the mesophyll cells in the leaves have a large number of chloroplasts? Usually the chloroplasts align themselves along the walls of the mesophyll cells, such that they get the optimum quantity of the incident light. The chloroplasts align themselves along the walls of the mesophyll cells such that they get the optimum quantity of incident light. When do you think the chloroplasts will be aligned with their flat surfaces parallel to the walls? When would they be perpendicular to the incident light? You have studied the structure of chloroplast in chapter 8. Within the chloroplast, there is a membranous system consisting of grana the stroma lamellae and the matrix stroma. There is a clear division of labor within the chloroplast. The membrane system is responsible for trapping the light energy and also for the synthesis of ATP and NADPH. In stroma, enzymatic reactions such as synthesizing sugar, which, is which in turn forms starch, 
the former set of reactions since they are directly light driven are called light reactions or photochemical reactions the latter are not directly light driven but are dependent on the products of the light reaction that is atp and nadph hence to distinguish the lateral they are called by convention as dark reaction carbon reactions that is carbon reactions however this should not be constructed to mean that they occur in darkness or that they are not light dependent how many types of pigments are involved in photosynthesis looking at plants have you ever wondered why and how there are so many shades of green in their leaves even in the same plant we can look for an answer to this question by trying to separate the leaf pigments on any green plant through paper chromatography a chromatographic separation of the leaf pigment shows that the color that we see in the leaf is not due to a single pigment but due to four pigments chlorophyll a which is bright green or blue in color chlorophyll b which is yellow green xanthophylls which are yellow and carotenoids which are orange to red let us now see what roles various pigments play in photosynthesis pigments are substances that have an ability to absorb light at specific wavelengths can you pigments are specific substances that have an ability to absorb light at specific wavelengths can you guess which is the most abundant plant pigment in the world it is chlorophyll a let us study the graph showing the ability of chlorophyll a pigment to absorb light of different wavelengths of course you are familiar with the wavelengths of the visible spectrum of light as well as the wibgyor from figure can you determine the wavelength color of the light at which chlorophyll shows chlorophyll a shows the maximum absorption does it does it show another absorption peak at any other wavelengths too if yes which one now look at the figure showing the wavelengths at which maximum photosynthesis occurs in a plant can you see the wavelengths at which there is a maximum absorption by chlorophyll a that is in blue and the red regions also shows higher rate of photosynthesis hence we can conclude that chlorophyll a is the chief pigment associated with photosynthesis but by looking at figure can you say that there is a complete one to one overlap between the absorption spectrum of chlorophyll a and the action spectrum of photosynthesis these graphs together show that the most of the photosynthesis takes place in a blue and red regions of the spectrum some photosynthesis does not takes place at other wavelengths of visible spectrum let us see how this happens though chlorophyll is a major pigment responsible for trapping light other thylakoid pigments like chlorophyll b xanthophylls and carotenoids which are called accessory pigments also absorb light and transfer the energy to chlorophyll a indeed they not only enable a wider range of wavelength of incoming light to be utilized for photosynthesis but also protect chlorophyll a from photooxidation
chlorophyll A is three times that of chlorophyll B. What is light reaction? Light reactions or the photochemical phase include the light absorption, water splitting, oxygen release and the formation of high energy chemical intermediates that is ATP or NADPH. Several protein complexes are involved in the processes. The pigments are organized in two discrete photochemical light harvesting complexes within the photosystem 1 that is PS1 and the photosystem 2 that is PS2. These are named in the sequence of their discovery and not in the sequence in which they function during the light reaction. The light harvesting complexes are made up of hundreds of pigment molecules bound to proteins. Each photosystem has all the pigments except one molecule of chlorophyll A forming a light harvesting system also called as antennae. These pigments help to make photosynthesis more efficient by absorbing different wavelengths of light. The single chlorophyll A molecule forms the reaction center. The reaction center is different in both the photosystems. In photosystem 1, the, the reaction center chlorophyll A has an absorption peak at 700 nm. Hence, it is called P700. While in PS2, it has absorption maxima at 680 nm and is called P680. In PS1, in photosystem 1, value of P is 700 whereas in photosystem 2 it is 680 photosystem 1 700 photosystem 2 680 the electron transport in photosystem 2 the reaction center that is chlorophyll a absorbs 680 nm wavelength of red light causing electrons to become excited and jump into an orbit farther from the atomic nucleus these electrons are picked up by the electron acceptor which, is, which passes them to an electron's transport system consisting of cytochromes. Consisting of cytochromes. This movement of electron is downhill in terms of an oxidation reduction or redox potential scale. The electrons are not used up as they pass through the electron transport chain but are passed onto pigments of photosystem 1. Simultaneously, electrons in the reaction center of PS1 are also excited when they receive red light of wavelength 700 nm and are transferred to another acceptor molecule that has a greater redox potential. These electrons then are moved downhill again, this time to a molecule of energy-rich NADP. The addition of these electrons reduces NADP to NADPH. This whole scheme of transfer of electrons starting from photosystem 1 uphill to acceptor down to the electron transport chain to photosystem 1, excitation of electron, transfer to another acceptor and finally downhill to NADP reducing it to NADPH plus H plus is called the Z scheme due to its characteristic shape. This shape is formed when all the 
carriers are placed in a sequence on a redox potential scale. Splitting of water. Would you then ask how does photosystem 2 supply electrons continuously? The electrons that were moved from photosystem 2 must be replaced. This is achieved by the electrons available due to splitting of water. The splitting of water is associated with the photosystem 2. Water is split into 2H plus and nascent oxygen and electrons. This creates oxygen, one of the net products of photosynthesis. The electrons needed to replace those removed from photosystem 1 are provided by photosystem 2. 2H2O gives 4H plus plus O2 plus 4 electrons. When we need to emphasize here that the water splitting complex is associated with the photosystem 2, which itself is physically located on the inner side of the membrane of the thylakoid. Then where are the protons and O2 formed likely to be released in the lumen or on the outer side of the membrane? Cyclic and non-cyclic photophosphorylation. Living organisms have the capability of extracting energy from oxidable, oxidable substances and store this in the form of bond energy. Special substances like ATP carry this energy in their chemical bonds. The processes through which ATP is synthesized by cells in mitochondria and chloroplast is named photophosphorylation. Phosphorylation. Sorry, phosphorylation. Photophosphorylation is the synthesis of ATP from ADP and inorganic phosphate in the presence of light. When, two when the two photosystem works in a series, first PS2 and then PS1, a process called non-cyclic photophosphorylation occurs. The two photosystems are connected through an electron transport chain as seen earlier in the Z scheme. Both ATP and NADPH H are synthesized by this kind of electron flow. When only photosystem 1 is functional, the electron is circulated within the photosystem and the phosphorylation occurs due to cyclic flow of electrons. A possible location where this could be happening is in the stroma lamellae. While the membrane or lamellae of the grana have both PS1 and PS2, the stroma lamellae membrane lacks PS2. The stroma lamellae membranes lack PS2 as well as NADP reductase enzyme. The excited electron does not pass on to NADP but is cycled back to the PS1 complex through the electron transport chain. The cyclic flow hence results only in the synthesis of ATP but not NADPH H+. Cyclic photophosphorylation also occurs when only light of wavelength beyond 680 nanometers are available for excitation. Cyclic photophosphorylation also occurs when only light of wavelength beyond 680 nm are available for excitation. 
Now chemosynthetic hypothesis. Let us now try and understand how actually ATP is synthesized in the chloroplast. The chemosynthetic hypothesis has been put forward to explain the mechanism. Like in respiration, in photosynthesis too, ATP synthesis is linked to development of a proton gradient across a membrane. This time, these are the membranes of thylakoid. There is one difference though, here the proton accumulation is towards the inside of the membrane that is in the lumen. In respiration, protons accumulate in the intermembrane spaces of the mitochondria when electrons move through the ETS. Let us understand what causes the proton gradient across the membrane. We need to consider again the process that takes place during the activation of electrons and their transport to determine the steps that cause a proton gradient to develop. Since splitting of the water molecules takes place on the inner side of the membrane, the protons or hydrogen ions that are produced by the splitting of water accumulate within the lumen of the thylakoids. B. As electrons move through the photosystems, protons are transported across the membrane. This happens because the primary acceptor of electron, which is located towards the outer side of the membrane, transfers its electron not to an electron carrier but to an hydrogen carrier. Hence, this molecule removes the proton from the stroma while transporting an electron. When this molecule passes on to its electron, to the electron carrier on the inner side of the membrane, the proton is released into the inner side of the inner side or the lumen side of the membrane. C. Sorry, in B, the primary acceptor, which is the outer side of the inner membrane. C. The NADP reductase enzyme is located on the stroma side of the membrane along with the electrons that come from the acceptor of the electrons of PS1. Protons are necessary for the reduction of NADP to NADPHH+. These protons are also removed from the stroma. NADP reductase is located on the stroma side of the membrane. Hence, within the chloroplast, protons in the stroma decrease in number while in the lumen there is accumulation of protons. This creates a proton gradient across the thylakoid membranes as well as a measurable decrease in the pH in the lumen. Why are we so interested in the proton gradient? This gradient is important because it is the breakdown it is the breakdown of this gradient that leads to the synthesis of ATP. The gradient is broken down due to the movement of proton across the membrane to the stroma through the transmembrane channel of the CF0, CF0 of the ATP synthase. The ATP synthase enzyme consists of two parts, one called the CF0 which is embedded in the thylakoid membrane and forms a transmembrane channel that carries out facilitated diffusion of protons across the membrane. 
the other portion is called cf1 and protrudes on the outer surface of the thylakoid membrane on the side that faces the stroma the breakdown of the gradient provides enough energy to cause conformational changes in the cf1 particle of the atp synthase which makes the enzyme synthesis synthesize several molecules of energy packed atp chemos chemo osmosis requires a membrane a proton pump a proton gradient and atp synthase energy is used to pump protons across a membrane to create a gradient or a high concentration of proton within the thylakoid lumen atp synthase has a channel that allows diffusion of protons back across the membrane this releases enough energy to activate atp synthase enzyme that catalyzes the formation of atp along with the nadph produced by the movement of electrons the atp will be used immediately in the biosynthetic reaction taking place in the stroma responsible for fixing co2 and synthesis of sugar where are the atp and nadph used we learned that the products of light reaction are atp nadph and o2 of these o2 diffuses out of the chloroplast while atp and nadph are used to drive the process leading to the synthesis of food more accurately sugars this is a biosynthetic phase of photosynthesis this process does not directly depend on the presence of the light but is dependent on the products of light reaction that is atp and nadph besides co2 and h2o you may wonder how this could be verified it is simple immediately after the light becomes unavailable the biosynthetic process continues for some time and then stops if then light is made available the synthesis starts again can we hence say that calling by biosynthetic phase as the dark phase reaction is a misnomer discuss this amongst yourselves let us now see how the atp and nadph are used in the biosynthetic phase we saw earlier that co2 is combined with h2o to produce ch2o or sugars it was of interest to scientists to find out how this reaction proceed proceeded or rather what was the first product formed when co2 is taken into a reaction or fixed just after world war 2 among several efforts to put radioisotopes to beneficial use the work of melvin kelvin is exemplary the use of radioactive c14 by him in algal photosynthesis studies led us to the discovery that the first co2 fixation product was a 3 carbon organic acid 3 carbon organic acid he also contributed to working out the complete biosynthetic pathway hence it is called kelvin cycle after him the first product identified was 3 phosphoglyceric acid or in short pga how many carbon does it have 
scientists also try to know whether all plants have PCA as the first product of CO2 fixation or whether any other product was formed in other plants. Experiment conducted over a wide range of plants led to the discovery of another group of plants where the first stable product of the CO2 fixation was again an organic acid but one which had four carbon atoms in it. This acid was identified to be oxaloacetic acid or OAA. Since then CO2 assimilation during photosynthesis was said to be of two main types. Those plants in which the first product of CO2 fixation is a C3 acid that is the C3 pathway and those in which the first product was a C4 acid that is oxaloacetic acid that is the C4 pathway. These two groups of plants showed other associated characteristics that we will discuss later. The primary acceptor of CO2. Let us now ask ourselves a question that what that was asked by the scientist who was struggling to understand the dark reaction. How many carbon atoms would a molecule have which after accepting or fixing CO2 would have three carbons of PGA? The studies very unexpectedly showed that the acceptor molecule was a 5 carbon keto sugar. Ribulose biphosphate RUBP Did any of you think of this possibility? Do not worry. The scientists also took a long time and conducted many experiments to reach this conclusion. They also believed that since the first product was a C3 acid, the primary acceptor would be a 2 carbon compound. They spent years many they spent many years trying to identify a 2 carbon compound before they discovered the 5 carbon RUBP. The Calvin cycle. Calvin and his co-workers then worked out on the whole pathway and showed that the pathway operated the pathway operated in a cyclic manner. The RUBP was regenerated. Let us now see how Calvin pathway operates and where the sugar is synthesized. Let us at the outset understand very clearly that the Calvin pathway occurs in all photosynthetic plants. It does not matter whether they have C3 or C4, any other pathways. For ease of understanding, the Calvin cycle can be described under three stages, carboxylation, reduction and regeneration. 1. Carboxylation Now carboxylation is the fixation of CO2 into a stable organic intermediate. Carboxylation is the most crucial step of the Calvin cycle, where CO2 is utilized for the carboxylation of RUBP. This reaction is catalyzed by the enzyme RUBP carboxylase, which results in the formation of two molecules of 3PGA. Since this enzyme also has a oxygenative oxygenation activity, it would be more correct to call it RUBP carboxylase oxygenase or Rubisco. The Calvin cycle proceeds in three steps. 1. Carboxylation during which the CO2 combines with ribulose 1,5-biphosphate. 2. Reduction during which carbo carbohydrate is formed at the expense of the photochemically made ATP and NADPH and 3. 
regeneration during which the CO2 acceptor ribulose 1,5-biphosphate is formed again so that the cycle continues. 2. Reduction These are a series of reactions that lead to formation of glucose. The steps involve utilization of two molecules of ATP for phosphorylation and two of NADPH for reduction per CO2 molecule. The fixation of six molecules of CO2 and six turns of Kelvin cycle are required for the formation of one molecule of glucose, glucose from the pathway. Regeneration Regeneration of the CO2 acceptor molecule RUBP is crucial if the cycle is to continue uninterrupted. The regeneration steps require 1 ATP for phosphorylation to form RUBP. Hence, every CO2 molecule entering the Calvin cycle, 3 molecules of ATP and 2 molecules of NADPH are required. It is probably to meet this difference in number of ATP and NADPH used in the dark reaction that the cyclic, photo, uh, cyclic phosphorylation takes place. To make one molecule of glucose, six turns of the cycle are required. Work out how many ATP and NADPH molecules will be required to make one molecule of glucose through the Calvin pathway. It might help you to understand all of this if we look at what goes in and what comes out of the Calvin cycle. 6 molecules of CO2, 18, molecule, uh, 18 ATP, 12 NADPH goes in, whereas 1 glucose molecule, 18 ADP and 12 NADP co comes out. That is 18 ATP and 12 NADPH are required for 1 glucose molecule. The C4 pathway Plants that are adapted to dry tropical regions have the C4 pathway mentioned earlier. Though these plants have the C4 oxaloacetic as their first CO2 fixation product, they use the C3 pathway or the Calvin cycle as the main biosynthetic pathway. Then in what way are they different from C3 plants? This is the question that you may reasonably ask. C4 plants are special. They have a special type of leaf anatomy. They tolerate higher temperatures. They show a response to high light intensities. They lack a process called photorespiration and have greater productivity of biomass. Let us understand this one by one. Study ventricle vertical sections of leaf one of a C3 plant and the other of a C4 plant. Do you notice the differences? Do both have the same type of mesophils? Do they have similar cells around the vascular bundle sheath? The particularly large cells around the vascular bundles of the C4 plants are called bundle sheath cells and the leaves which have such anatomy are said to have Kranz anatomy. Kranz means breath and is a reflection of the arrangement of cells. The bundle sheath cells may form several layers around the vascular bundles. They are, cate they are, categorized, they are characterized by having a large number of chloroplasts, thick walls 
impervious to gaseous exchange impervious to gaseous exchange and no intercellular spaces you may like to cut a section of the leaf of a c4 plant that is maize or sorghum to observe the kranz anatomy and the distribution of mesophyll cells it would be interesting for you to collect leaves of diverse species of plant around you and cut vertical sections of the leaves observe under the microscope look for the bundle sheath cells around the vascular bundles the presence of the bundle sheath would help you identify the c4 plants now study the pathway shown in the figure this pathway that has been named the hatch and slack pathway is again a cyclic process let us study the pathway by listing the steps the primary co2 acceptor is a 3 carbon molecule phosphophenol pyruvate pep and is present in the mesophyll cells the enzyme responsible for this fixation is pep carboxylase or p peptase it is important to register that the mesophyll cells lack rubisco enzyme the c4 acid or oxalo C4 acid oxaloacetic acid is formed in the mesophyll cells it then forms other four carbon compounds like malic acid or aspartic acid in the mesophyll cells itself which are transported to the bundle sheath cells in the bundle sheath cells the C4 acids are broken down to release CO2 and a three carbon molecule the three carbon molecule is transported back to the mesophyll where it is converted to pep again pep again thus completing the cycle the co2 released in the bundle sheath cells enter the c3 or the calvin pathway a pathway common to all plants the bundle sheath cells are rich in an enzyme ribulose biphosphate carboxylase oxygenase or rubisco but lack peptase thus the basic pathway that results in the formation of the sugar the calvin pathway is common to the c3 and c4 plants did you note that the calvin pathway occurs in all the mesophyll cells of the c3 plants in c4 plants it does not take place in the mesophyll cells but does so only in the bundle sheath cells so we can say for the c4 type of plants special type of kranz anatomy is present they lack photorespiration and they require high light intensity photorespiration let us try and understand one more process that creates an important difference between c3 and c4 plants that is photorespiration to understand photorespiration we have to know a little bit more about the first step of the calvin pathway the first co2 fixation step this is the reaction where rubp combines with the co2 to form two molecules of 3pga that is catalyzed by rubisco rubp plus co2 gives under the effect of rubisco to 3pga now rubisco that is the most abundant enzyme in the world rubisco that is the most abundant enzyme in the world rubisco that is the most abundant enzyme in the world is categorized 
is characterized by the fact that its active site can bind to both CO2 and O2, hence the name. Can you think how this could be possible? Rubisco has a much greater affinity for CO2 when the CO2 O2 is nearly equal, when the CO2 O2 ratio is nearly equal. Imagine what would happen if there were not so, if this were not so. This binding is competitive. It is the relative concentration of O2 and CO2 that determines which of the two will bind to the enzyme. In C3 plants, some O2 does some O2 does bind to the Rubisco and hence CO2 fixation is decreased. Here, the RUBP instead of being converted to two molecules of PGA binds with O2 to form one molecule of phosphoglycerate and phosphoglycolate, that is two carbon, in a pathway called photorespiration. In the photorespiratory pathway, there is neither synthesis of sugar nor of ATP. Rather, it results in the release of CO2 with the utilization of ATP. In the photorespiratory pathway, there is no synthesis of ATP or NADPH. The biological function of photorespiration is not known yet. In C4 plants, photorespiration does not occur. This is because they have a mechanism that increases the concentration of CO2 at the enzyme site. This takes place when the C4 acid from the mesophyll is broken down in the bundle sheet cells to release CO2. This results in increasing the intracellular concentration of CO2. In turn, this ensures that the rubisco this ensures that the rubisco functions as the carboxylase minimizing the oxygenase activity. Now that you know that the C4 plants lack photorespiration, you probably can understand why productivity and yields are better in these plants. In addition, in addition, these plants show tolerance to higher temperatures. Based on the above discussion, can you compare plants showing the C3 and C4 pathway? Use the table format given and fill in the information. Characteristics C3 plants, C4 plants Cell type in which Calvin cycle takes place in C3 plants, it is mesophyll. In C4 plants, it is bundle sheath. Cell type in which the initial carboxylation reaction occurs is both in mesophyll. In both is mesophyll. How many cell types does the leaf have that fix CO2? It, there is only mesophyll cells in C3 plants, whereas there are two types of C, uh, cells in C4 plants. Which is the primary CO2 acceptor? The primary CO2 acceptor is 5-carbon RUBP in C3 plants and 3-carbon PEP in C4 plants. Which is the primary CO2 fixation product? PGA that is C in C3 and OAA or oxaloacetic acid in C4. Number of carbons in the primary CO2 fixation product C3 and C4. Does the plants have rubisco? Both the plants in C3 and C4 pathway have rubisco enzyme whereas pepkase enzyme is only present in C4 plants. Which cells in the plant have rubisco? 
mesophyll cells in C3 and bundle sheath cells in C4 plants have rubisco. CO2 fixation rate under high light conditions. C3 plants requires low or medium light, whereas C4 plants require high intensities of light. The photorespiration is negligible in both at, uh, in both C3 and C4 at low light intensities. Photorespiration is high in C3 plants in high light intensities and is negligible in C4 plants. At low CO2 concentration, the photorespiration in C3 plants is high, whereas it is negligible in C4 plants. Whereas the photorespiration because of the present at high CO2 concentration is negligible in C3 and also negligible in C4 plants. Some examples of C3 plants are wheat and rice and C4 plants are maize and sugarcane. Factors affecting photosynthesis an understanding of the factors that affect photosynthesis is necessary. The rate of photosynthesis is very important in determining the yield of plants including crop plants. Photosynthesis is under the influence of several factors both internal and external. The plant factors include the number, size, age and orientation of leaves, mesophyll cells and chloroplast internal CO2 concentration and the amount of chlorophyll. The plant or internal factors are dependent on the genetic predeposition, predeposition and the growth of the plant. The external factors would include the, av the availability of sunlight, temperature, CO2 concentration and water. As the plant photosynthesizes, all these factors will simultaneously affect its its rate. Hence, though several factors interact and simultaneously affect photosynthesis or CO2 fixation, usually one factor is the major cause or is that one that limits the rate. Hence, at any point the rate will be determined by the factor available at, at sub-optimum levels. When several factors affect any biochemical process, Blackman's law of limiting factors come into effect. This, this states the following If a chemical process is affected by more than one factor, then its rate will be determined by the factor which is nearest to its minimal value. It is the factor which directly affects the process if its quantity is changed. For example, despite the presence of a green leaf and optimum light, CO2 conditions and CO2 conditions, the plant may not photosynthesize if the temperature is very low. This leaf is given the optimum temperature will start photosynthesizing. Now first is light 400 to 700. We need to distinguish between light quantity, light intensity and the duration of exposure to light while discussing the light as a factor that affects photosynthesis. There is a linear relationship between incident light and the CO2 fixation rates at low in light intensities. At higher light intensities, gradually the rate does not show further increase. As other factors become limiting, what is interesting to note is that the light saturation occurs at 10% of the full sunlight. Hence, plants, 
hence except for plants in shade or in dense forest light is rarely a limiting factor in nature increase in incident light beyond a point causes the breakdown of chlorophyll and a decrease in photosynthesis now carbon dioxide carbon dioxide concentration it is an important carbon dioxide is the major limiting factor for the photosynthesis the concentration of co2 is very low in the atmosphere between 0.03 and 0.04% increase in the concentration up to 0.5% can cause an increase in the co2 fixation rate beyond this level can become damaging over longer periods the c3 and c4 plants respond differently to the co2 concentration at low light conditions neither group responds to high co2 conditions at high light intensities both c3 and c4 plants show increase in rate of increase in rates of photosynthesis what is the what is the important what is important to note is that c4 plants show saturation at about 360 while c3 respond to increase co2 concentration and saturation is seen only beyond 450 thus current availability of co2 levels is limiting to the c3 plants the fact that c3 plants respond to higher co2 concentration by showing increased rates of photosynthesis leading to higher productivity has been used for some greenhouse crops such as tomatoes and bell pepper they are allowed to grow in carbon dioxide enriched atmosphere that leads to higher yields temperature the dark reactions being enzymatic are temperature controlled though the light reactions are also temperature sensitive they are affected to a much lesser extent the c4 plants respond to higher temperatures and show higher rates of photosynthesis while c3 plants have a much lower temperature that is optimum the temperature optimum for photosynthesis of different plants also depend on the habitat that they are adapted to tropical plants have a higher temperature optimum than the plants adapted to temperature climates temperate climates water even though water is one of the reactants in the sunlight in the light reaction the effect of water as a factor is more throughout its effect on the plant rather than directly on photosynthesis water stress causes the stomata to close hence reducing the co2 availability besides water stress also makes the leaves wilt thus reducing the surface area of the leaf and their metabolic activity as well summary greenhouse plants sorry green plants make their own food by photosynthesis during this process carbon dioxide from the atmosphere is taken into the leaves through stomata and used for making carbohydrates principally glucose and starch photosynthesis takes place only in the green parts of the plants mainly the leaves within the leaves the mesophyll cells have a large number of chloroplasts that are responsible for co2 fixation within the chloroplast the membranes are sites for the light reaction while the chemosynthetic pathway occurs in the stroma photosynthesis has two stages the light reaction and the carbon fixing reactions in the light reactions the light energy is absorbed by the pigments present in the antenna and funnel to special chlorophyll a molecules called reaction center chlorophylls there are two photosystems 
photo system 1 and photo system 2. PS1 has a 700 nanometer absorbing chlorophyll A P700 molecule at its reaction center while PS2 has a P600 reaction center that absorbs red light at 600 nanometer. After absorbing light, electrons are excited and transferred against the and transferred through photosystem 2 and photosystem 1 and finally to NAD forming NADH. During this process, a proton gradient is created across the membrane of the thylakoid. The breakdown of the proton gradient due to movement through the F0 part of the ATP's enzyme releases enough energy for its synthesis of ATP. Splitting of water molecule is associated with photosystem 2 resulting in the release of O2 protons and transfer of electrons to PS2. In the carbon fixation, fixation cycle, CO2 is added by the enzyme Rubisco to a 5-carbon compound RUBP that is converted to two molecules of 3-carbon PGA. This is then converted to sugar by the Calvin cycle and the RUBP is regenerated. During this process, ATP and NADPH synthesized in the light reaction are utilized. Rubisco also catalyzes a wasteful oxygenation reaction in C3 plants that is photorespiration. Some tropical plants so show a special type of photosynthesis called C4 pathway. In this plants, the first product of CO2 fixation that takes place is the mesophyll is the mesophyll is a 4 carbon compound. In the bundle sheet cells, the Calvin pathway is carried out for the synthesis of carbohydrates.